Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Sorry You're In My Seat, a weekly podcast that unites best friends on a quest to find the greatest movies of all time. I'm your host, Aaron, and each week I have the pleasure of talking movies and films with my best buddy, James. I am James, and James has done this. This is episode 150. 58? Yeah. 158. 158. Sorry You're In My Seat, a weekly podcast that leaves no stone unturned on the quest to find the greatest of all time. Uh, this week, we're taking on the Fear Street trilogy that's out on Netflix. Yeah, from the pen of R.L. Stein. And we're also looking at some other movies, random films that we've watched throughout the week. That's kind of what we do. We get around the mics, <laughs> no scripts, no plan, no agenda, no idea what we're doing. I was going to say, no clue. <laughs> but we do record our, our, our weekly film chat. And yeah, we do. Put it out there for people to basically tell us we're full of shit. Wrong. Yeah, 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 yeah. And we thank you for that. It's always great to hear from the fans. Please continue your support. We love it. We love getting messages where you quite clearly don't agree with us. It's great. And if you do want to write a complaint, do start it with Dear Sweethearts. <laughs> yeah. It just softens the blow. It does soften the blow. Uh, but that being said, this week I'm ready to talk film. I'm ready to talk movies. It's been... A violent week. That's <laughs> a good way of putting it. It has been a violent week. It's been a brutal, violent and bloody week because the other films that I've watched have also been quite graphic and gory and quite weird for a, you know, August <laughs> The summer summertime, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's not great, like... Great time for violence, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. you know, the long summer days, you know, the festivals, the music, you know, yeah. all that kind of stuff, the, the good weather and violence. Violence. Brutal violence. I did say last week when we said let's do this is because we save horror and we save, uh, you know, scary movies for October and it shouldn't just be about Halloween. We should, you know, these movies come out all year round uh, and we kind of, it's it's not it's not my wheelhouse. It's not my forte. No, no, but it's not. But there's nothing wrong with that. But as discovered, this, this genre has gone on forever, hasn't it? Always evolved. Mm. It, it mentioned in the films that we'll be talking about later. Yeah, yeah, and I, I, I do like horror. I just don't find myself wanting to put it on. And I don't know whether that's something because as you get older and I've got a kid now or, you know, I've got my own house, you know, and you're worried that someone's going to be in your back garden with a knife. I don't I don't know whether it just puts the, and I'm going to use this term liberally, James, puts the willies in me. Oh, fair enough. But I don't know whether or not, I don't know, maybe it's a getting older thing. I think it's a getting older thing. I think maybe it's possibly a generation thing because when I watch, so... Horror to me is also in the same realm of uh, young teenage movies. Is when I get to a certain age, I start looking at them differently. I'm not thinking of, you know, a killer in this rented cottage. I'm thinking, well, how have they rented that? Have they all gone half share or does mm. it belong to someone? I'm thinking- Did you bring your own tea bags? Exactly. Like you never, you never see him packing anything like sleeping bags. Mm. Do they go to these places expecting you know, the bed to already be turned? I mean, my biggest pet peeve, mate, my biggest pet peeve, is the insurance paperwork afterwards? Mm. Because what do you say? Oh, Freddie came in and he like he haunted my nightmares. And you, as a, as an insurance adjuster, no, <laughs> you're talking shit. <laughs> anyway, yeah, ruined the genre for me. <laughs> and also, young young drama because I'm just like they go never happen. Your shit. <laughs> yeah, just because it didn't happen to me when I was growing up. Yeah, exactly. It means yeah. it's not true. Yes. Although I would be really intrigued to watch a, like a serial killer movie in like an old people's home. Yeah. Where like a retired cop is in the same retirement home as like a retired serial killer. That would be actually pretty epic. And it's a real slow paced movie. Mm, Very slow. Yeah. (laughs) 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 Where they're looking at each other across the recreation room thinking, I fucking know. I know I'm onto it. They're playing a game of chess as well. Oh, at one gotta point, be. yeah. Gotta be, yeah, because the, the ping pong table is out of action. Yeah, exactly. And then, and then one of them's about to give a speech and falls asleep. <laughs> <laughs> but luckily, it's one of them high chairs with like the, <laughs> like the headrest either side because you don't want to get a bad neck. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and in the end, it turns out 
was neither of them. <gasps> it was the wrong people. It was people in the background. It was like <laughs> better characters. There you go. Watch yeah. that film. Twist. You have a twist in a horror film now. So, other than that, where, where have you been this week? You been all right? I've been good, mate. I'm fast approaching thirty five. You know, times are times are changing. It's made me go back and reflect on some things. So last last week we were talking about a friend. I've made a new friend. She's new to cinema. She wants to try everything. Made a stupid mistake, mate, of saying, you know, you asked me what her what the base level was, and I said she's seen Jurassic Park. Yeah, turns out that's not true. She's not seen Jurassic Park. She's not seen Jurassic Park. Wait, what is wrong with this person? I don't know. But I was thinking, right, so this that's gonna really weird. I found this out whilst um we put on seven <laughs> because I wanted to see the barometer. So we started off, we started off with In Bruges. So I wanted to see what she thought of In Bruges. She loved it. Spoilers go back to last week. So we were talking about this and I went, I just need to gauge how far we've got. So I said, we know that you like the family-friendly stuff, Jurassic Park. We'll see how you do with like a great, you know, thriller with seven. And then she went, I haven't seen Jurassic Park. So I was like, right, so I know what we're doing next week. And I quite like this. It's actually fun. I was tidying my house today. I was looking through my old DVDs and Blu-rays just thinking, we're actually, I'm going to have so much fun watching someone else watch them for the first time. It's something that we've always wanted to do. You've always wanted to go back and re-watch your favourite films for the first time. Unless they think they're dog shit. Well, that's the risk that you run. However, Seven. Brilliant. She loved it. Absolutely mm. fantastic. She loved the gore, the clever deaths. She said that she'd seen the Seven Deadly Sins in like uh, murder mysteries, like Midsummer Murders, uh, ITV dramas. This one was... In the Night Garden. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so she's artistic. The end. We'll stick with her for always. The tra- she's still traumatized by um, the item used in the lost victim. Mm. Um, still only gave eight out, eight out of ten though. So. Jesus, <laughs> yes. what you got to do to get that ten? If you're going to give it a score out of ten, surely seven. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but um, no. So I've gone with seven. I think Jurassic Park might be next. I'm, I'm I've, mate. I've got my DVDs lined up. I mean, she's not going to be friends with me for much longer, but still. <laughs> Terminator 1, Terminator 2 has got to oh, be a good nice, one. nice, And yes. then, de- then, then decline, like, just deny that there's been any other sequel after that. That's my plan for Indiana Jones. Yes, good point. <laughs> just, there's good only point. three. And even then, the second one, I'm going to maybe fast forward. <laughs> second one's all right, but it's it a filler to get to that third one. You need it? that third one, mate. That's the biscuit. I don't care what people do when, they, when they're like, oh, Temple of Doom's the best. No, it isn't. Stop, <laughs> stop trying. Do you remember last week you would say in... Um, uh, like everyone on the internet that like Super Mario Brothers they're wrong mm. there's some people on the internet that still think oh it's aged brilliantly it fucking hasn't it, hasn't. <laughs> it really hasn't there's a very famous film podcast that do the, the, the they talk about this thing called the smart choice and it's when you're at a dinner party and someone says oh what's your favourite and you pick the smart choice like Temple of Doom is the smart choice because yeah. everyone's going to say the first one the and then one. and yeah. some people are like no I like the action but the the second one because you won't deny it's a good film because it's an Indiana Jones film so you the the the, the recipient of this piece of news goes oh they must be they're much smarter than I am because yeah. they must have got something from that second movie I didn't get the ultimate is like what's your favourite Tarantino movie if someone says Jackie Brown right they're lying yeah. but they're also very smart because you're going to go yeah because Jackie Brown wasn't bad but it wasn't my favourite oh shit maybe I need to go back and rewatch it because I really like all the other films no no, I get it because I was talking to someone about my favourite uh, action movie and I was like and they were like oh you know died and I was like well obviously it's Exit Wind. <laughs> <laughs> the smart choice. The smart choice. No, yeah, I don't know. I don't know, James. But I, I, the, the fear is, is that you introduce new movies to someone, to this person, and they just shit all over yeah. just classic films. Well, that's what I'm holding off on the Uncle Book, mate, because I don't think that film, I'm worried that film's not aged that well. Die Hard? Maybe she doesn't like Die Hard, then she's no longer my friend. There are some, the, the, you're right though, there are, there are some treasures to, to introduce her to really for the first time. Really looking forward to watching, the, but also it's a chance for me to go back and watch some films that I've taken for granted. Like I love the film LA 
LA Confidential. I haven't seen it in so long. Mm. I actually, I looked at it and I was like, oh my God, I can't wait to watch that film again. Right, Order 7, LA Confidential. All right, Kevin Spacey, get back in your box. Well, that's the thing. When that came up, I was like, it was a time when you could like him. Mm. Now, redacted. <laughs> it's just a blur on the page, mate. Technically innocent yeah, until proven guilty. did say that as well, but that's purely because all the witnesses end up dead. <laughs> so, why is no one talking about that? <laughs> why is no one? I mean, God, God rest their souls, but... <laughs> He's a bit suspicious. He's about to testify down the car crash. It's just Kevin Spacey, just silent, mate, preparing for his next role. That's a sex offender. Is Jesus he, Christ. <laughs> his agent, mate, must yeah. be... He must have done that as a joke. <laughs> must have done. Yeah, it's like, like Mel Gibson when he come back as that racist, sexist yeah. abuser. It's like, not the greatest choice of film, Mel. <laughs> oh, um, stick to type, though. <laughs> I Yeah. I, I think the big ones, T2. That's a good Lethal, lethal Weapon. Yes. Um... You you gotta do the big fight. Indian in the cupboard, mate. Sure, it. mate. <laughs> yes, yeah. Short mate. circuits, but the Ghostbusters. There's loads. I have decided as well. I'm gonna get down a copy of the little toaster. The little toaster, mate. It's animated bliss. I'm gonna watch that. I kind of want a little toaster tattoo because because it's my birthday coming up. I've started to I've started. I was, I was like you know episode one. I was like, what are my choices? Have they changed? And there's been some big changes. Like how could you forget? Um, while he was sleeping, obviously my favorite romantic. But there's a part of me, mate, that tickles me when I just think. I actually think I do prefer Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse over the Dark Knight. The, that's a big one for me. It's like... The animated Spider-Verse. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I was, uh, that comes to mind as a, as a great. It does, doesn't it? Dark Knight. He, <sighs> he's great. He's mm. great. There's nothing wrong with it. I just... Do you know something? It was Because it was fun, it was different. Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse might have pipped it. I rewatched Logan the other day. Oh, you dirty boy. I was flicking through when it was, it was already on. So it was already like 20 minutes in. And that's I was fine. like, that's fine. That's fine. That's fine. I joined the, the adventure here. Yeah. It's so good. Yeah. Did you watch the noir version? I've, I have seen that. Do you I've seen that. People but... were like over the moon because it was just like took color away from it. It's like, oh my God, it's cinematic masterpiece. It was like, all right, people, calm down. At the same time, though, brilliant. Very good. <laughs> <laughs> and very was very good. happy to yeah. see in black and white. The whole, it just adds a whole new shade to Patrick Stewart's head. <laughs> <laughs> but it makes, it actually brings out some characters really well, like um, Stephen Merchant's character yeah. in the noir version. It, it does make him look like a kind of like 20s, 30s horror yeah, no, character. Yeah. Um, I thought the noir version was well worthy of watch. If you haven't seen Logan in a long time, go back but watch the noir version because it, 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 it does work. Parasite's meant to be brilliant in the noir version. Oh, I did hear about they were doing that, but mm. do you want know that's, that's probably worth a rewatch as well. Maybe give it another year. Yeah, I would. Yeah, I, I think if you're going to introduce to um, Kim Jong Un's work, it'd probably go more for like train. Uh, Snowpiercer first. Oh, actually, yeah, good shout. Oh, uh, Snowpiercer. Yeah, as like oh. a kind of wild. But, but look, I mean, this is an exciting time. You are right. I'm running the gambit, but but you know what? Sod it. It'll be fun for me to rewatch these films. Like Grand Budapest, mate. Do it. <sighs> the problem is, I think she'd be a big uh, Wes Anderson fan. And there's nothing and wrong with that. And I don't know if I could there's handle nothing it. Nothing wrong with that. I don't know if I can handle two of you. <laughs> Just. <sighs> If she starts talking about the, the Darjeeling Express, mate, I'm done. I'm out of that friendship. <laughs> Brigsby Bear. Mate, I've tried to get it. As soon as, when we started becoming friends, so we started off, the actual film we started off was Peanut Butter Falcon. Mm. And I said, if you love this, you're going to love Brigsby Bear. And that day, it was off. Mm. Yeah, it's gone from Sky Cinema now, isn't it? Yeah, so that's the film that I think kind of like, it was the first film, wasn't it? The podcast. Episode one, Brigsby Bear. Uh, no, it wasn't. We was well into the podcast before we watched Brigsby no, Bear. No, I think Brigsby Bear was one of the first ones. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Bruce Bear, brilliant film. Mm. Uh, no, it wasn't because it was well, it was it was someone's choice for their best indie film. 
Oh, but, yeah. yeah, there you go. <laughs> so we're all, we're on 12 minutes, mate. So should we, well, nearly 13 minutes, but yeah, where are we going? Should we go into Fear Street? Do you want to start off strong, mate, or weak? Let's, let's do Fear Street. <laughs> all right, let's do Fear Street. So, because, um, I mean, that's probably what the title of this episode is going to be, so we may as well do it first and yeah. we'll talk about any other films afterwards. But um, I suppose a warning before anyone listens to this is that we we won't go out of our way to talk about spoilers, but we'll certainly be talking about certain characters that might not appear until the second or third movie. It's going to be difficult to do because they're three films. Yeah. And they are three films that were written as part of a film that split into three. Part one, two, and three literally mean parts. They are the same story pretty much through three decades. For, what, three centuries? Three centuries, sorry, in, yes. in, Yeah, it's a 300-year curse. But we will, uh, we, we're not going to go out of our way to give any spoilers, but naturally we may talk about certain events that if you haven't seen them, it's probably always best to go and watch them first. They are available on Netflix. They came out in uh, July, I believe it was, June, July time, in, on consecutive weeks. So I was drawn into this. I didn't see them when they came out live, but they, I've been hovering over them for Netflix for ages because I really like this idea of a streaming service such as, you know, Netflix releasing a trilogy on Fridays through three weeks where each episode gives you the next chapter to the story and the fact that the chapters were then also in, uh, not in chronological order, they were going backwards. So the first one set in 1994. 1974 and 1666. 1978 is the second one, isn't it? What did I say? 1974. So it's the 90s, the 70s, and then 1970s and then 1666. <laughs> I've written 1974, but then my first sentence is in 1978. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I, I really like that as well, that you get deeper into the the mythos of this world that it creates. I, I was a big R.L. Stein fan growing up, but I didn't read Fear Street. I didn't read Fear Street. I, wrote, much, mate. I was just going to say, I read all of them, which I'm kind of hoping to get the same treatment, mate. Get them on Netflix, all of them. Yeah. Let's, get rid of Jack Black. Yeah, let's Jack Black. <laughs> more, Let, more cheese killing, whatever that was, say cheese and die, camera. Yeah. Terrified me that one actually. Welcome to the Dead House, Shock and Shock Street, Piano Lessons Can Be Murder. I loved them all, mate. The one I about, love Goosebumps. The one about ants. I never really got that one. And you remember at the end, it would turn out we were ants. It was like, well, that should have come up at some point. That <laughs> should have done. They're keeping ants and they've got giant ant overseers. And at no point did anyone go, wonder what time we're going to get fed. Horse shit. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> no, no, no. I can see that you've got some deep rooted issues with this book. It really James, did so. piss me off, that did. Um, but Fear Streets, uh, the, the films are a trilogy of horror slashes directed by uh, Lee Janet and based on the literature of R.L. Stein. Released on Netflix back in July, the films were released in consecutive weeks, with each part exploring a deeper um, part of a curse, a series of horrific events plaguing the fictional town of Shadyside, which I actually then found out there is actually a Shadyside in, in Ohio in America. Is it, Purely coincidence, I believe. Is, oh, I was going to say, is it the capital murder of America? No. Oh, I don't know. Maybe. Maybe. Possibly. I mean, that's a that's a title, isn't it? Well, yeah, because I believe that, I could be wrong here, but I believe the capital, I can't remember what it's called, St. Clara from The Lost Wars, that was murder capital of the USA. Do your fucking research. <laughs> Knobs. <laughs> So part one is set in 1994 and introduces audiences to the main protagonist, Dina, played by uh, Keanu Madeira, who through a series of events looks into the town's deep, dark and murderous past. Uh, part two takes place in 1978. Part three takes place in 1666. I just love the idea. On paper, this, like if someone was like, way before I kind of saw the trailers on Netflix, if someone was like, dude, there's these three films coming out and you get to watch one a week. And like I said, they're in a descending order where you're going to get to go back and back and back and back. Because first off, the 90s, wicked horror-like era. Yeah. 
you know, post eighties kind of going into really up until 96 when Scream came out, it was, it certainly, you said at the very top, horror always evolves and it's, it really did evolve in the nineties to some of those kind of teenage bandit groups. You know, you think of things like uh, the craft, you think of, um, I know what you did last summer. Yeah. You know, you think of uh, even things like Buffy to an extent Yeah, has that kind of that high school banding together of misfits to kind of take on a, you know, something that's very adult in nature. Um, <laughs> Murder. <laughs> yeah. Then the second movie, you know, set in, in the seventies and twenties, maybe, maybe, maybe the, 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 the golden era of horror. Yeah. Maybe, I don't know. Certainly my favorite era of horror. Um, and then 1666, I was like, well, we'll just jump that hurdle when we get to it. Because there's something about that, like, village-based, like, you know, witchy yeah. stuff. I watched that Apostle, I think it was called, Ooh. the Michael Sheen one. No, I remember his name. Fucking gory, that was. Yeah, yeah I remember his name. Bloody, that was... For a Michael Sheen movie, is well, like, Michael Sheen. Yeah, <laughs> best Resident Evil movie that they never made. Because it's <laughs> straight out Resident Evil, that was. But, um... Yeah, so the third one, I was like, well, I'll watch it when I get to it. But certainly the first two, I was, I was all over it. What, before we go into it, mm. what was your like mindset going into these movies? Going into it, I was like, I, you should never judge a book by its cover. However, when you're hovering over them, you do get a big slice of Stranger Things. And Stranger Things is a TV series I came to quite late. And as you, they went through the decades the other way, they went through the different periods of the 80s and ended in the last... Uh, episode about like the, the creation of the mall, you know, huge thing. It went from like riding on your bikes to hanging out at the mall. So I came quite late and was able to watch them pretty much in a month straight through. I loved it. So I really liked the idea. And even before, even before I pressed play, I've got the juices flowing, mate. Mm. I'll be honest. Um, quite like the idea of well, going back here. Excited me. I was like, oh, 1994. I was thinking screen. I was thinking, oh, then they're going to do some sort of slasher, like supernatural thing. And in 1966, I was like, oh, The Crucible is literally the only thing film I could think about. It's like about the Salem Witch Trials. I was like, this can literally be the only thing. With it, you kind of know where the storyline's going because you you kind of get the last film where they're going to be like, oh, they'll go back to the event mm. that caused it. Um, so the third one's kind of like, it needs to pay off a lot. So going in, let's say I was quite excited. Let's say I was... I was teased a little. I was good things. I like Stranger Things. Mm. I like what they, what I think they're going to do. Never judge a book by its cover, but I did. So, the, the, so if we go into the first one, so I kind of just set it the scene a little bit, and then we'll, we'll break it down a bit more. But the movie starts um, in a mall. You're right. It's like the you get, it, we're in the '90s, and straight away it tries to get to that like teenage culture, doesn't yes. it? Like more everyone hanging out in the mall. More rats were, you know, whatever. Uh, late night bookstore employee who also is uh, Maya Hawk from Stranger Things. So, yep. you know, there's that. Um, very neon lit. Um, so neon. <laughs> so neon. <laughs> the electricity bill through the roof of this Mate, shopping mall. Hot topic. But, <laughs> but the bookstore, uh, so there's a bookstore employee uh, at the Shady Side Mall is brutally murdered by a friend who had no previous convictions or links to, uh, to crime or violence. Shot dead by the local sheriff, the local high school quickly picks up rumours that the school mass killer is part of a 300-year-old curse from a witch called Seraphia. <gasps> Later that evening, uh, Shady Side football players and band members travel to local rivals... Sunnyvale. Yeah, that, that wasn't the best. The was polar it? opposite of Shady Side, a place where wealth, uh, you know, in, in affluent communities and zero crime. The town, uh, the two towns clash, and on the way home, there's an accident leading to Sam, who's Dina's ex girlfriend, um, coming into contact and visions of Sarah Fear herself, only to then be pursued by a series of serial killers hell bent on taking out Sam. 
Mm, that's like in a nutshell like a smorgasbord as well they're all famous killers as well yeah yeah so uh, the the, the opening to this movie is Scream yeah it's shot like the the schoolmaster killer let's be honest not too far away from the Scream look they're not designed to be different though are they they're designed so you know what they're going for you settle in very quickly don't you and and the the, the the first death in this is shot for shot the Drew Barrymore's death scene yeah. in Scream. It's, Even the characterization as well, I believe it's Ryan is the character's name. He acts like a bit aloof, a lot like uh, Matthew Lizard's character in the first Scream. So he's he's not there. Like he's, he's very zany, off the wall. And what, what I really love about this, straight, settling into this, because I was like, oh, I'm not really sure I'm, I'm into horror. The death is very brutal. It is very brutal. All the deaths really in this are... are I would are really brutal to be yeah, honest. Yeah, they're not nice, are they? No, it, is, it, <laughs> as, it was a death scale. <laughs> it was way more brutal than I thought it was going to be. Like normally, even in movies like the Friday the Thirteenth and Freddy Kruegers, they will turn the camera away from certain deaths of certain mm-hmm. characters. Um, they or, won't show every on-screen death or cartoon or yeah, in Freddy's instance. Yeah, but <laughs> but this like it, no, you will see an axe to the face. Yeah. You know, you will see heads decapitated. You will see people being stabbed in all sorts of places. <laughs> It, it, it is gory, it's bloody, it's violent. It, and so settling into it straight away, I was like, okay, all right, let's go with this. I was, I was loving the references to, to to Scream. And like I say, it kind of straight away got this feel of something like, I know what you did last summer kind of vibes coming out of it. Um, I I don't think off the bat, it felt like a 90s movie. No, no, not I at all. I think it captured, you know, the, the essence of 90s horror films. Yeah. But it didn't... No point was I like, all right, yeah, you don't see a mobile phone, that's fine. But no point was I, and I don't know what I wanted. I don't know whether I wanted like, you know, someone with a Smash Hits t-shirt on, you know, and everyone <laughs> and every guy having curtains, you know, whatever it is. There was a lack of curtains. But it didn't, it, it, no, no point was I like, oh, it's the 90s. Yeah. No, I actually agree with you. If this was 2010, wouldn't it have made any difference? No. Even 2020, the only difference is obviously no mobile phones. But at the same time, there's a reason if they brought them out, you know, the time, I don't believe the 90s actually adds anything to the storyline. Other, other than it gets you around the cop out of, of, of a scene where a particular nerdy or, um, you, you know, internet crazy yeah. member of the group does some quick research and goes, oh, uh, I found these newspaper articles. In this, you do get that in one of the characters. But it, it, I, I quite like that it being set in the 90s is more a nod to the films of that era yes. than it is the style and the characterization of that era. Yeah. And this film does have in it some rather interesting um, kind of social narratives. Um, it does seem to have quite a few uh, contemporary themes in it, which again, I thought was refreshing in a horror movie, certainly in a horror movie set or based in itself in the 90s. You know, you have... Um, you know, the, the idea of the two towns, you know, one crime only affecting the poverty stricken town and not the affluent side of town. You have, you know, um, you know, a lesbian couple struggling, you know, in a community that maybe won't accept them. You have all these like themes and layers into it that actually really didn't feel forced or, or put in there to, you know, because it's 2021, you know, or 2020 when this movie was made. It, it was like, yeah, that's, that's, it all seemed to add value to the overarching, certainly from this first movie, but it, by the time I watched all three, then themes seem to carry all the way through. And I actually quite like that. I really like as well that you can tell from scene one to the end scene in part three, they're all written together. And I, yeah. th- I think one of the hardest things you could do, and we use like the Matrix, for example, like the first film, they obviously didn't expect to make sequels for. So when they wrote two and three, which are, which are a linear storyline between two and three, it don't make any sense with the first one. Whereas this one, when you learn something in like the first film, it pays off by the third film. Mm. So that's that's quite good. I really like I really like the fact. And you can tell it was written by love, because one review I read said it's very close to source material. It's like 
it, it obviously a film adaptation will always take liberties and it mm. does do that. However, it does stay mainly focused to the source material, which is always a good thing. And it, and it stays loyal to horror, I think. Yeah. Like I say, I think it gets 90s horror. Where it doesn't get 90s culture and, and characterization, it certainly gets the feel <laughs> of that first movie. You're yes. like... I mean, it is, it is scream. It's so on the nose, yeah. it's, you know, and, and do you know what it is? It's, it's just on the, it's just on the right side of acceptable. Like at the beginning when they're like, oh, Shady Side's going to, it may as well have been called Pleasantville. Yeah. Uh, it's like, okay. You know, oh, here's the sheriff. Sheriff good. Yeah. Oh, okay. You know, it's like, there's a lot of that stuff where I was like, it's just acceptable because it's packaged in this neon lit, clearly done with love you know the, the opening scream sequence i was like i i can get on board with this because i can tell it's made by someone who knows their source material yes. maybe i don't know about the rl stein reference but certainly the horror movie stuff but like all horror movies and this is either uh deliberate or or accidental fuck me it's full of whole plot holes in that narrative it is full of plot holes but uh, i guess it's an emotion <laughs> That's what I mean. That's what I mean. Because this this is full of like someone will die, someone to get like brutally murdered, and like fuck, oh, oh quick, we've got to get to the mall. Yeah. <laughs> like, there's no like. Move on, mate. Yeah, this, <laughs> don't get attached. Move on. But that is very much like you know, like Scream. Scream to me, don't get me wrong, is one of the greatest horror movies of all time. Scream, in a lot of ways, is like what Aeroplane did to the disaster movie. Scream kind of killed the fucking slasher movies because it was so good. Yeah, um, you know and. And, you know, and I suppose even that is like, you know, a bit like, oh, your best friend's just dead. Oh, shit, I'll, I'll meet you at the party tonight. Yeah, <laughs> fuck it. We'll mourn there. It's like, no, you'd be fucking horrified. Well, don't be dead. <laughs> yeah. um, but this is a lot of like people dying and young people witnessing death and going, oh, no, no, let's go to the police. They'll believe us. Or like, let's go to the hospital where there's only two people that work there. Yeah. And luckily there's an ambulance with the keys in it. And luckily I can steal a gun and the sheriff doesn't notice. And... I could fire that gun and no one thinks, what are them bullets, you know, or that sound. And look at this remarkably shallow grave that I've just fell into. You know, there's a lot of stuff like that. But the most unbelievable is Chappie's downstairs on AOL and someone upstairs picks up the phone and makes a phone call. Not going to happen, mate. Thank you. Thank you. Not happening. Broadband wasn't around by then. No. All you would have heard was... <laughs> Kids today just do not understand the hardship of trying to get on the internet, mate. Never dialed first attempt. No. There's a reason why I said one of 10 attempts because you won't get on there till attempt date. Thank you. I noticed that. And I was like, that won't happen. But it, I, it, it was, it, I, there was a lot of it that I was like, but this is part and parcel of horror. You know, it's part and parcel of the horror experience where the vehicle is death scene to death scene to death scene until you get the resolve of some kind. And you're going to have jump scares along the way. And, and this film, I, you know, all those things, I, it was more like I went along with it. than I was pulled out of the movie from it. If that makes sense. Yeah. You know, like other films I might watch and be like, Right, so there's an ambulance there with, you know, that's with the motor running that no one is yeah. looking at. In this, I was just like, yeah, get out of there because there's a killer in there. I was kind of, I was thrown up into the story. You accept it though, because of the genre of film, you accept there is a reasonable expectation of a jump of leap, a leap of faith, you know, mm. you, suspension of disbelief. Yeah. You accept that, whereas you won't accept that in like, you know, an actual drama film. We accept this in a horror franchise that they get away pass. with it. It's like action movies. In action movies, you get a free pass with things like jumping out of buildings and landing on your feet and surviving. Or, or going into a gunfight without reloading your weapon and then reloading because it sounds cool. Yeah. <laughs> or car crashes, you know, that people walk away from. Or at no point someone going excuse me insurance papers literally <laughs> just are you I'm phoning the police because you've smashed fucking San Francisco up Sean Connery <laughs> yeah a lot of that kind of stuff or never a cop there when you need him exactly. you know, every genre has their you know their um, their tropes that we just accept as viewers and this one was fucking full of them I did 
enjoy the romp of it. And what, what was really good in this as well is the pace of it was really good. So what I enjoyed about it, what I enjoyed about a film that I am emitting is by no means perfect, lots of errors with. But what I did enjoy was we seem to get from the next part to the next part, just giving you a little bit more information, giving you a little bit more about this witch. And straight away, my ears pricked up because you don't get a lot of witches now. You don't get a lot of witches now. I liked it and instantly knew where we were going with 1966. Uh, mm. Nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with foreshadowing. I like that. I really liked as well that... Um, you don't actually see the witch. I know that sounds really stupid. It's all, and what the best that Hollywood does, it implies you see like a flash image, you see this. You never actually see, you know, the big evil. Mm. And that's really good. Enjoy that. Tease us. We want to be teased. We know we've got three movies coming. We don't want to see it all right now. Give us more. And I was quite relieved that the witch was actually a witch, or at least, you know, the the the, the Seraphia character exists. It wasn't a big giant metaphor for like suppressed sexuality or, you know, like horror intense. Yeah. No, it is actually blood and guts gore in a fucking horror movie. And you start to see things through it as it's paced that were really like, there's a scene again, I'm not going to spoil it, but there is a scene where there's a, someone breaks into a house and there's, and there's a killer acting very suspiciously and weirdly. And I was like, what's that about? There's another scene where a, uh, out of the, out of the, you know, the ground comes a, you know, an axed henchman that runs straight past someone and goes for someone else. And I was like, why didn't they kill that person? As an audience member, I was like intrigued. I was like, why, why is this happening? And it just slowly pulls at that thread, giving you a little bit more, a little bit more. And I, I thought the pacing and the writing of the movie was really good. Full of fucking holes, but kept me entertained. I really like this film, um, how it's put together. I think the layers are the best thing. The layer upon layer of like its own mythos. Um, mm. So the best comparison I can make to it is um, the Chris Hemsworth horror film. I can't remember what it's called. Cabin in the Woods. Cabin in the Woods. Cabin in the Woods essentially explains to you every horror film. Mm. This film explains to you the process of every horror film. Like, without going into spoilers, why does Jason come back to life every time he's killed? Well, this film, actually, if you follow it, gives you a reason for that. Mm. It gives you the reason why people appear unkillable when they're not. And I've really loved that. I was like, when it first was happening, like that doesn't make any sense. But again, long-term booking, mate, because it knows it. If it grabs you in the first one, it can start explaining to you in the third one or in the second film. Why? And do you know what? That really paid off. I really liked that it was kind of an explanation of all horrors. Mm. And it was, and as as you've said, this one's like a celebration. The first killer is uh, Ghostface from Scream. Obviously they can't because of copyright, so it's not. However, it's very heavily implied. You also get um, Jason, Either mm. Jason was a lumberjack. Uh, in Jason this, from Jason Two as well, from Nightmare on Elm Street Two. He's got so, a bag on his so head. He's got a bag on his head. So and then and that's, that's really that pays off again late. And I loved that. I was like, yes, mm. more. And what you've got is you've got a um, Dina, a character that identifies with the victim, but also at the same time fucking get shit done, man. Mm. Like like Dina takes names. She 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 point A to point B, mate. She'll get there. You're either on her side or get the fuck out of the way. <laughs> yeah. It is. It was really good, and there were certain characters as well that I was like, I really hope they don't get it, you know, and die yeah. and stuff. And it has that nineties thing. Like one of my favorite horror movies, sci-fi horror movies from like nineties into the two thousands, was The Faculty. I can't remember the exact year when it came out. Faculty was great, and there was a lot of that. Like, how did they get in the school at night? Like, is there no locks or alarms? And this is very much like that. It's like, let's go to the school. Yeah, let's go here. Let's go to the shopping mall. It's a nice mate. Yeah, let's go to a supermarket. <laughs> Apparently, there's no security in Shadyville, the murder capital of America. Why would it be? <laughs> why, why would it be? Quite afford them premiums, mate. Exactly. <laughs> um, 
So there is a hell of a lot of like kids after hours running around in buildings that you just wouldn't get in. But again, I was like, this took me back to those fucking movies, you know, and, like, and I enjoyed it. Like a screen when they decided to have a house party in the middle of like a fucking serial killer massacre. Yeah. Just like, let's have a party. And, but in screen, they do, they, someone goes, yeah, but we're safe if we're all together. And you can't really deny that logic. <laughs> you know what I mean? So Unless you invite till, the two killers. Okay, until you invite the two killers and everyone else then leaves. <laughs> so, uh, so I did like it. There, there is a particularly cool... Um, uh, scene in, in the in the school which then all of a sudden you're like yeah this is Jason but it could also be Jack Torrance because he's got a lumberjack shit on mm-hmm. he's carrying an axe and then what do they do Axeman is trying to get through a door and they film it like The Shining they put the camera underneath Axeman as he's hacking down and I was like this is great I fucking love The Shining it's like a celebration of like horror yeah yeah it, but it, it doesn't try to hide it it puts it right on front street this film should have been called front street James Fear on front street. Exactly. <laughs> Much better. Call me R.R. Stein. All right. Uh, so I, cut me in on that money <laughs> you've already got. I, I, I really liked it. I, I I think this film was was cool. And then at the end, in the last third of the movie, it kind of comes up with its a rule. And it's like, well, this is how we're going to... And do you know what? Okay. That's well, fine. I quite it was, liked it. I thought it was acceptable in because they have to use it as a framing device because you have to know the story of 1978. Mm. So you, you need a framing device. So you need to introduce well, a character. This this is why I thought the films were smarter than what they thought. Or maybe I'm just looking at it. I'm probably reading this way too much. But there's a character in this that drowns, right? Yep. Now, they bring that person back to life by giving him like insulin shots and adrenaline and whatever. Yeah. And surely the quickest way to get water out of someone's lungs is like CPR, like compressions. I mean, I'm not medically trained, but I was a bit like, and then in the second movie, there's someone who dies from being stabbed and I imagine bled out and went into shock and they administer CPR on that person in a field. And I was a bit like, the medical advice on this is a bit on the nose. Yeah, but there's a a reason for that. Okay. Yeah. But we can't go into that. There is a reason why they do it. Yeah. But I'm just saying like, it just seemed a bit like- I mean, I've seen Baywatch, mate. You pull someone out of the water, mate, you start pumping on that chest. Now they're the elephant. You get going. They've changed it now. It's staying alive. Staying alive. Which yeah. I think is hilarious because if you were to walk on someone, if, if you if someone died in front of you and you started doing that and I walked past you and you were pumping someone's chest going, staying alive, I would think you were somehow mocking them in death. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. Now they're the elephant, though, is not much better, yeah, is it? You'd be like, oh, I get that. <laughs> that's fine. I'll see you later. Um, Maybe just saw you had a breakdown. <laughs> so, yeah, the, the first movie also ends particularly violent and, and also pays real respect because there are certain characters in these movies that don't survive. Again, going back to Scream, the rules are laid out. There were, there were t- particularly at the end of this movie, I looked across to Emily and I was like, those two are going to die because they have the backgrounds and the lifestyle choices that mean that they die in these kind of movies. Yep. And exactly. then when they did, I was it's like, nice film, yeah, right? yeah. it's a nice movie. In this, in this, in this generation, they'd be the heroes. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> So part one, brilliant. Now, another thing that I'd say about these films is they work better on a streaming site because had the next instalment of Fear Street come out a year later in cinemas, I probably would have forgot this first movie before then. Yeah, no, I get that. It's not enough to do with the movies, but the fact that you can go from one to the other. So the next night we watched the second movie, that worked brilliantly because you could pick up the the baton where it left. Had they been spaced apart, particularly the third one, I probably wouldn't have been rushing to see Not the get third part of cinema. Yeah. So excellent choice to be on streaming sites. It works perfectly on that format. What do you think of part two? Part two celebrates the, well, let's call it the classic, the golden era of Slash of So one of the characters, um, one of the characters 
something happens to them and they essentially are your Jason Voorhees for the rest of the movie. So there's a big person with a lumberjack shirt on, basically the killer from the first one. And now you find out what happened in night in Camp Nightingale, which is where they are. So it's set in 1978. We're introduced to the character of Ziggy and her sister Claire. And uh, whew, shit goes down. I'll be honest, but I loved this. I thought this was better than part one. And I really liked it because I, I was, quite like the second one. Yeah, I was not looking forward to the disconnect because I was like, "How are they going to play?" Because the nineties, to be fair, you can fake the nineties. Love it, um, Captain Marvel. Captain Marvel faked the nineties, okay, without really celebrating the nineties. So I was like, "You can fake the nineties mm. without changing much. Stick a blockbusters in it. Stick some Nirvana in it. You're fine. Everyone gets it. It's the nineties. How the hell are you going to transfer lovingly um, to a, a, like an era that is really hard to replicate? Well. Fear Street Part 2 did it because it's brilliant from the aesthetics to like the kind of goldish bronze tins they give everything and to the character of Ziggy who Ziggy is a celebration of everything fucking nine, uh, fucking 70s. Yeah. I really liked this. I thought it was brilliant. But again, a very 2021's characterization yeah. of this because whereas this character in a 70s, 80s movie would be ashamedly the odd one out this one, she's like, fucking wears it on her sleeve. She's like, yeah, I'm, I am the way I am. So it's almost like also a very, and I use the term in a celebratory way, but it's very like, it's like a woke yeah. version of that character. And, and it's refreshing because normally, yeah, that character would be at the back of one of these movies, and may or be, may not survive. And but, Claire would be the main yeah. point. And this one kind of splits them. So you get your traditional like, Virgin, if you will. And then you get the other one and they yeah. go through a metamorphosis and evolution throughout the story. And also you've got an undercurrent so whilst the primary focus of this is a killer in in a, in a camp going around killing campers and, and counselors, you also have a secondary line, which is the continuation from the first one about, let's say, mystic stuff, which you could actually ignore both storylines. You could ignore, choose which one that you'd pick. Mm. So actually done quite well, despite the fact that the mystic side's interfering with your serial killer. The serial killer works fine on its own. And I tell you what they did, they 70s these deaths. They were yeah. kind of cartoonish and over the top and bloody they don't turn away, but they're also kind of, they're unrealistic, these ones. As words, the nice one, which someone's getting stabbed with a knife. In this one, they're kind of getting thrown across the room. Yeah. <laughs> and it is, but they've 70s it up. What I do like about this is in, in, in the blatant disregard for health and safety. Like very early <laughs> you, on in this. You, you would say that every week, right? <laughs> the very, very early on, like, you know, one of the only adults in the movie tries to kill a teenager and no one comes and collects their kids from this camp. Yeah. They're like, ah, oh, they're fine. Yeah. You know, she's gone now, so they'll all be safe for the weekend. fucking bullshit. So with that opening scene, it's like, let's, let's spring up and kill her. Like, like, these are kids, right? Yeah. <laughs> they're like 13, right? Yeah, about a burner woman. Yeah. The, 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 like, that's normal as well. Everyone's like, are you serious? Because like, at no point does someone go right off. But what's so great is that first movie left open. There was enough open questions there for you to go, I need to see the second one because I need to know, you know, why the axe killer is around in 1994, but it comes from 78. Yeah. And why, you know, although he's got a bag on his head, doesn't look a day older. Um, also, he runs, which is a fucking scary thing when you see a guy with an axe when they're running. Yeah. Much scarier than like, you know. Just appearing. Yeah, and just slowly walking. You think, how the hell did Jason get anywhere? <laughs> you know, or Mike Myers. You'd think, oh, just fucking get your jog on, son. You know, like. <laughs> just, just just get in a car. Yeah. <laughs> get, get a bike. Oh, no, no. Remember, Mi remember, Michael, we lose how to drive. Oh, because of that one time when he sat in the back and watched someone do it. <laughs> Yeah, I remember that now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I forgot about that. Sorry, the, the, the film holds up. <laughs> this, this is great. So our way into this movie, yes, uh, expecting that, you know, the blood, the guts, the gore of the first one, but wanted to, it worked. I wanted to know the next, I wanted to know what happened 
that then led to the events of 94. So, it, it, you know, the, the first movie was a great springboard and catalyst. But going into a camp environment, Camp Nightwing as well, like, you know, there's a lake, there's a jetty that kids are running off. There's you know, all these, you know, there's the there's the different huts, there's the camp medic, there's the everything in it that you're like, oh, just this reminds me so much of horror movies when I was a kid. Yeah. It's fucking brilliant. And it's a playground for, again, these, ser- these killers to come out of the woodworks. This one is predominantly... Um, Tommy. Is it Tommy? Uh, yeah, Tommy, the the axe man. But the he, axe man, he comes out with a guitar, mate, and shreds shred it away. It fucking melts your face. So, so. <laughs> but he's fucking good. The body count in this movie is well high. <laughs> it's fucking brutal, isn't it? There's, um, I remember the scene where <laughs> they all just start running. They ring the dinner bell and they were like, oh, quickly hide in here. And I just thought that he was already going to be there and he'd just kill them all. I was like, this is going to be fucking brutal. He teased me. Mm. Teased you, mate. But the, um, yeah, side quest, if you like, with two characters that go off on their own and, and discover a bit of the mythos and a bit more of the riddle and the mystery. And also explains to you how uh, the slow lumbering people get around so quickly. Yes. Again, another thing that like, just kind of sprinkles more mythos, not for this film, but all films. And it's shit like that, mate. I was gobbling up. I was like, this is brilliant. But the, again, like just with the whole like 70s, 80s thing, like very early on, there's a, there's a, there's a sex scene, you know, and then one of them refers yes. to the other one as like, Oh, you're the nerd virgin. And then there's two like smoking weed or whatever. And then, and there's the, you know, someone's running away and they break their leg and it's like, Oh, it's just so many tropes from these fucking movies. <laughs> I love that. There's, there's after, after two of them, I'm saying she rolls a joint. You're like, well, she's dead. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. She's so, she's so dead, mate. She's listed as suicidal in the credits. <laughs> But it is, it is really, really good. And like I say, I think the, the helm of this is uh, the Ziggy character, um, Sadie Singh, who I think just really kind of holds her own in this movie. Again, another alumni from Stranger Things, but enough kind of a, a cast and, and crew in this one that, again, hold their own in a, in a, in a movie that was tired, you know, sorry, in a genre, sorry, that's tired because not, this is all rehashed. I just realized this. So do you think the, the blonde girl that kind of joint becomes friends with him in like season three? Yeah. Oh, she's brilliant. I, all right. Okay, cool. I was trying to work out where I knew her from and I never actually made a connection to stranger things. Ah, yeah. She's breath of fresh air. Great. Well acted. The right side of knob. (laughs) <laughs> the right side of the is in, you could understand why they'd have prominent authority figures. She um, also, uh, is it Ted Sutherland, who plays like a young sheriff in the first one? Yeah. He's really good as well. They've got this great dynamic. They bounce off each other. I was like, oh, this is fun. Believable that he is the older, I think he's a counsellor, and then just a bit older. They have great fun and chemistry. It's like, oh, really good. Little There's, romance in there. Little, yeah, little, little, little budding romance. But what's also cool about this film, which I really like to do, is they do that thing where, because it's a flashback movie, or if, you know, you get a lot of characters that are like, oh, he grows up to be so-and-so, you yes. know, whatever. And you think, does no one fucking move? Does no one leave no one this moves. town? But also someone, t- someone speaks in just plot points. Everyone's like, do you remember the brothers are talking? It's like, if you be sheriff, I'll be mayor. And you're just like, oh, oh yeah, that's but that don't happen. Yeah. <laughs> and then by the third movie, you're like, right, well, hold on. So for 300 years, this family have not moved. Yeah, <laughs> like no. they live on the same plot of land. Yeah. All right, let's go with it. <laughs> let's go with that. But the second one to me, I thought was, was, uh, was better. So you have some cast, Returning in this one in in from the guys of their first movie, but yeah. fresh cast in, yeah. in the second one as well. Which because I thought they were going to do that thing where everyone, you know, like American Horror I was Story, just where everyone Horror plays Story, like yeah. a different character in the next one. It's quite refreshing. That does happen in the third part, um, but it, for for this one, like I say, kind of introducing a new cast into it. By far the bloodiest and the most violent out of the three movies. Really enjoyed it. Maybe my favorite one. Great music as well. An homage to the seventies, kind of like. <sighs> 
And they don't do that, but they do have their own versions of those themes. What they do really well is the movie starts. So the movie starts in 94. Um, so you see like, you know, and, and a certain character goes, oh, let me tell you about what happened in 1978. And then the movie's a flashback. But at the beginning, they do have Man Who Sold the World, uh, the Nirvana version. Yeah. And then when they go back to the 70s, they have the original um, Man Who Sold the World version. I can't remember if it was the Bo- David Bowie or the... Um... Oh, I forgot name now. Didn't even notice that. Yeah, so it's the same song, but the original version. Do love the soundtrack in the second one as well, where they use licensed songs. And then again, but I, I did like the, the use of that in the first one. With as the, well. fir- the first one did the old uh, Captain Marvel thing, didn't it? Of oh, Lulu did Man Who Sold the World, sorry. Um, the, the, the first movie did that thing, like Captain Marvel thing, of like, here's 10 songs in five minutes. Yeah. Just so you know just that so we're in the nice. nights. <laughs> easy to, easy, it's so easy to do, though, isn't it? It's just take away. This is what they did. They took away mobile phones and they neoned the fuck out of everything. At one point in the opening scene, she runs into a, a into a shop made of neon. Yeah. <laughs> it's like there's no well, non neon parts. So when I was in I was in Newcastle a couple of weeks back, um, because I went into Edinburgh. So we stopped in Newcastle for the evening. And so in the town centre, there was a pop-up shop of uh, the shop, that neon shop. And so it had Fear Street, you know, outside. Really? Yeah, and we, we were outside it, like, because it was opposite a, t- a TK Maxx and it was feeding Prim and everything. And um, I was looking at it and I was saying, it said Fear Street on the outside and there's all these cast, dre- uh, there's all these like employees dressed like, you know, odd, you know, yeah. and, and, and I was like, I think that's a pop-up shop for that new movie that's come out that's um, cool. on Netflix. And, and I didn't get a chance to go in, but l- walking past, it looked like the neon style shop from... The thing, yeah, from the That's movie. That's brilliant. Um, okay, so then at the end of this movie, again, fucking bloody, there's a massacre, there's a lot of violence. This one as well, what does what the first one did is in the last kind of dying minutes, you see additional serial killers just come from somewhere and you're yeah. like, where the hell did all these guys come from? But that one, I didn't like that actually. I, I quite did. There's an image at the end of this movie of two characters, in, uh, you know, at a, a tree, let's just say that, and about four serial killers kind of closing in on them. Yeah. And I thought that was really stylistically oh, actually, shot. I guess you did need that, didn't you? You did need that, otherwise it wouldn't have made much sense. No, okay. I can see that point. That's a good point. You so did need more serial killers. You've got here, so I've wrote down all the serial killers. Mm. Which one's your favourite? So you've got, pa- we haven't talked about this one yet, but Pastor Cyrus Miller. Right. So- you see a drawing of him in the first in the first film, and the drawing him looks so scary. Actually, kind of let down when you see him because the drawing's so good. But that said, no, still he's top tier. I would love a film about him because he. We're going to talk about in the third one, but he, his victims you see in this one, which was really cool. Yeah, there's a scene with a certain character running, and all these kids with no eyes are in this, and you're like, yeah. "What the fuck is that from?" Yeah, that and you don't find out to the film. And again, I was like, "Ah, oh, it's good. It's kind of it's." foreshadowing so that when you're in the third movie you're like oh they're the ghosts you know, what, yeah, that, you know. I'm, I'm pumping them up to top tier Pastor uh, Cyrus Miller I thought was great there's also something about like the biblical yes yes know, character turning evil that, yeah you know you've got the grifter who is maybe the least notable one out of all of them he's the guy with the leather mask yeah you see a, you see an origin kind of flashback of him drowning someone in a lake a lot and in the third movie he comes back I was going to say the third one is bigger I don't like him he, I don't know if it's part of his character, but he looks super strong apparently because he just picks up a character in this third movie like they're nothing. And like, mm. is he supposed to be like a bodybuilder? Well, is he supposed to be Leatherface? Like, I, I think that's what they're looking at. Yeah. He's certainly got that kind of aesthetic to him. There's Billy Barker, who's the kid from 1922, the baseball bat killer. He, what's wrong with his face? He's wearing a mask, isn't he? Yeah, but what's wrong with his face? <laughs> who, 
Why, why that mask? Who, who produced that mask? I thought this was so well. He is pretty terrifying <laughs> in the that. in the certain scenes that you see. It's like when someone goes, oh, it's like the the curse of Billy Barker or whatever his name is, and it cuts to a scene of him killing someone in their sleep, and you're yeah. like, fucking hell, he looks violent. Yeah. There was a part of me though that when he's on screen in the third movie, I really wish someone would just run up and just fucking drop kick him. Yeah, just kick him. The problem is he looks like he'd be easy to get off his feet. You just yeah. kick him in the nuts. He, he'd be the gonna... one I'd most enjoy kicking <laughs> in the nuts. There's the milkman, Harry Rooker. <laughs> Sorry, it's just the milkman. If whilst uh, some people, oh my god, that sounds like such a great serial killer name. The other one's like, yeah, he's the milkman. He comes like once a day. <laughs> You'd be fine. No, he's pretty cooler. Yeah, he's savage as well. He's savage as fuck. It looks like he's got like half a burnt face. Yeah. Ruby Lane, the teen uh, teen queen with a razor blade. My favourite one. Because she, she's, cool she's cool as fuck. Especially how she comes out of the water mm. and she kills, no, no spoilers, she kills like one of my favourite characters. And I was like, badass. There's also Tommy Slater that we talked about, the Axeman and the school mask. So they're, they're all the serial killers in the three movies that appear either one, two, three, four, or in, some, in the last movie, you know, five or six of them appear at the same time. Um, Ruby Lane's the one I'd go up against if I was to go up against any of them because at least she sings so you know when she's on her way yeah. she doesn't run so I think I could outrun her um, and she's I'll say she's only got a switchblade but versus like me with a really big stick with something sharp on the end I yeah. think I can take her really I've she's wearing that. heels as well so I reckon if I put a load of like slippery stuff down I'd watch that for, oh you'd time alone it yeah I think so do you know what I do with um, do you know what I do with all of them I just run away. <laughs> just, uh, just to see. Like, I'm moving out of shady. I would shady. move the <laughs> fuck move. away from that town. Yeah. <laughs> Apparently, nothing happens over in Sunnyvale, so I'll just go here. <laughs> Why don't more people do that? Sam does that in the first one. She's like, "Oh, my dad died. I'm going to move cities now." So she just moves. That. Why never else? Just go. You know what? Murder capital. Everything's going fucking right in Sunnyvale. Let's just go there. Yeah. <laughs> there, there, there is a scene in that first movie where Dina's like, she she confronts Sam and she's like, "Ah, oh, I." I why did you move? You moved, and she's like, "Well, you dumped me, and my mum divorced her dad, and so she got Sorry, yeah. yeah, and so I she got a job over here, so now I live over here." And I mean, that was a pretty much done argument, you yeah. know. What I mean, I'm like, just like, "Okay, cool, that's fine, cheers, thanks, thanks, Sam." Sounds reasonable. Just wanted to catch up, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and then Dina's like, "Oh, you ran away? No, let me let me go through this again." Um, there was, so you dumped me. There's a series of events <laughs> that started with you dumping me. Yeah. So I've got no ties now, and. If I didn't move, I would be homeless <laughs> in murder capital. In capital. <laughs> so I kind of have left. Also, I'm still in high school. So I thought, I'd, yeah, probably just roof of yeah. head, save up for college, you know. And you dumped me. I'm not sure if I mentioned that part of the story, but. You left me? You, yeah. You, you, so I'm. So, you but, know. but why did you go? Dina <laughs> <laughs> was like looking like, I don't get it. Is that fucking out? Yeah. <laughs> Let me start again. <laughs> have you got a crayon? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I think out of all of them, I'll take on Ruby Lane. I'll tell you right now, mate, I'd need a new set of pants if the Axeman came after me. Yeah, so would it, I. Especially because he runs. Bit fucking relentless. I don't, you don't see enough of the pastor to know whether or not he's got that, you know, that weird thing in horror movies where if they've got no eyes, but they still know where you are. Yeah. You, you, don't, you know, like if, when he come down, I'd like come down from the, um, you know, the, the pulpit, if you like, yeah. if, and he stumbled and he, everywhere. I'd be like, walks, okay, man. Walk straight into a pew. <laughs> yeah. And then you just go, fuck. You just put Lego all over the place, you know, but, I still, I, do you know what? I think he's a, fra there's a franchise there because his image was fucking horrible. Just like the bleeding eyeless corpse. Oh. Yeah. The, the third one certainly adds up the, up the horror. Oh, by the third one, he's quite, he's my favorite. Yeah. When you find out in, in the third one. Yes. So we get deeper and deeper because now, um, 
certain events are unraveled from the movie set in 1978, which affect the story that's still going on in 1994. But they have to now go even further back to find out how this all originally started with Sarah Fear herself in 1666, which is the final part of the Fear Street trilogy. And this film's also split into two, isn't it? So he's got the 1966 version but it's also got what happens in 1944 yeah because after the big shocking reveal of the final film it, it drastically changes and you need to now conclude the trilogy by going back to where it all started however i think do you know what so this one the problem is i can't think of many classic horror films that are set in like puritan america so the only the only thing you can draw like inspiration from is The Crucible. So The Crucible is a story, a uh, famous play by Arthur Miller, who is about uh, ladies who are seen cavorting with the devil and use that in their position in town to start getting rid of their enemies. You know, they start lying. I saw uh, I saw Helen Proctor with the devil. So then, you know, Hale comes to town. He puts all these people on trial. So that's what we've got here. We've got we've got suspicion, mate. We've got we've got Puritan America. It's just not good. It's not, it's not a good place to be, you know, free love. There's a lot of reasons why I wouldn't want to live here in 1666. No electricity. There's no electricity. No internet, mate. You're picking up that phone, mate. No. There's, it looks cold. looks it damp, looks very smelly. Cold. I don't think it caters to vegetarian diets very well. I also don't know what you do. I never understood that back in the day. What do they do? Did they just sit around and go, Not, I don't it's, plan on dying today? It's like, yeah, it's like you see a load of kids like playing, like holding hands and doing like a ring of ring of roses, kind of just, reciting a nursery rhyme. For like 16 years you'd be doing yeah, that. Yeah, you're like, fuck it, that's boring after like half hour. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm giving it half hour, James. <laughs> There's no way they'll be this happy. You're like your teeth will be falling out. You'll be full of light spots, and your hygiene will be but, horrible. You never feel clean. But every hour you get to go pray. Oh, I can't even pray. <laughs> it, it's the bleakest out of them all. It is the bleakest. But, I don't want to live here. But you know what it does? It it makes. It, do you know what? I, I it is the weaker of the three, easily. However, I think it's because it has to be. How oh, best describe that? It is a decent payoff. And the writing is very good. The only it, problem is, I'll, I'll, I'll be honest, I do find it hard to distinguish. Great thing, they get the cast from the first two films and they bring them all back. So, mm. so there's characters, uh, there's actors from part one and actors from part two in this, in the smorgasbord of them all. They're all here. Um, that works. I like that. I, I actually quite enjoyed that. I thought it was pretty cool. And there's kind of a reason for it as well that you find out at the end of the night, at the 1666 part, there's a, there's a part of it. It's Dina being put in the place so she can see mm. how it unfolds. And that's really cool. So it uses characters that she knows. Mm. However, it doesn't explain about part two because she never met them, but let's move on. <laughs> um, what it does is it's very slow. It's very, very plodding. Not a lot happens, but when it does happen, it is worth it including quite possibly, while it might be the weaker of the three films, the scene where they go into the church mm. and they see what the pastor has done. Do you know what, mate? That was the best scene in the three films. And that was phenomenal. That scared the piss out of me. It's and very, very well done. Very, very well, well done. done. And it's played, it's not played for cheap thrills. It mm. is, it's horrible. There's no jump scare. There's, it, uh, they walk in there and they see what I can only describe as your worst nightmare. Mm. And the guy, I'd never wrote the guy's name down, the guy playing the, the, the pastor, wow, phenomenal job you have done there, son, because you have easily become one of my favourite villains. And you're, you're barely in this trilogy. And you were fantastic. Um, heinous crime. Religious, I always like a religious element. However, is it, it's also, it does a very good job of playing homage to this type of story, like witchcraft tales, you know, they are slow. They're not like, you know, body counts. It's suspicion. It's about what it could mean. And do you know what? Whilst it is weaker and uh, it does drag parts of the first part of this one does drag quite a lot, 
I still think it's worth the payout. It's very good. It, it does such a good job of continuing the overall story arc. And you mm. inject characters like Pasta. The Pasta is fantastic. Um, Dina, oh, she's not Dina anymore, is she? I've forgotten the actress's name. She's again phenomenal in a different role. She's yeah, brilliant. Keanu Madeira is now playing Seraphia or, or living or re reenacting the events that unfolded through her eyes. Yeah. And what you've got here, mate, is uh, you've got a slower film, but but within reason. You know, there's a reason for it. They haven't just slowed it down for purpose. It's an homage to the slower films, the the thrillers. What 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 also I, I, is weird about this time and why I wouldn't want to live there is you do, you're right, you get like, and it's particularly males, like coming up with lies or whatever and 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 whispering to the town and then all of a sudden the town are against you. Yeah. Just, and the and next it, thing you find yourself being burned at the stake because you're a witch. In a scene where there's people that you know not met are going, she's a witch. Yeah. She's a witch. like almost Very a montage quick. where everyone's like, she's a witch. She's yeah. Such. And all starts because the employer's got small penis. Man, <laughs> but, but then, but then I, if I was the, the the accused, I'd be like, you do know there is an actual witch on the border of town that we all know about who lives in the woods on her own. Yeah, she lives out their jurisdiction though, and, they, and the mate, the people are very the people of Union because it's before they've split up. They they love the rules. <laughs> They're like, whoa, 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 nothing we can do. And that that's <laughs> that, we can do. That was another thing that I loved about like the seventy eight movie is like um they're at the camp they're at the uh, campsite Camp Nightwing, and one of them goes. Oh yeah, this is built on the built on blooded soil from a, you know events that happened, and you're like, oh, just say it, just say Indian burial ground, <laughs> just just say, say it. it. <laughs> but yeah, the third one, I, there was enough of it to be like, okay, we'll get it now. And luckily, the for me, the 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 maybe the less interesting 1666 part of it does resolve pretty quickly, and then we go back to 94 where the story can unfold because new evidence has emerged as to who maybe is the <gasps> real person behind all of this what oh my god and it does they, I went to that film movie being like they, they, you know we, it's it's all fucking smoke and mirrors mate with something's amiss you know yeah. certain events will unfold and we'll find out that this person wasn't bad and that person actually is and, and, and although it did go down that route I wasn't I wasn't mad with it. I wasn't mad. And I do. I was actually surprised somehow with the reveal and I thought mm. the reveal was really good but you know the second part of the film, which is set in 1994 again, so it reverts back what is technically present day. It is no longer, I don't think, when I was watching it, it was no longer an homage to 94. It was an homage to horror films now in a scene where all the serial killers turn on each other. It was like the versus era. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, that's cool as well because it's now it's an homage to actual present day where everything's kind of over the top. There is no storyline. People are just like hacking each other up because they're bad. And I was just like, it's Freddy versus Jason. <laughs> that's what I'm seeing. Yeah. And I love, I, the best fun I had from these films, I'm, I'm if you're a casual movie goer, you might actually be a turn off for you. I loved the shit that was going through my head when I was watching it. I was like, oh my God, they've done this. Oh my God, I've done that. And that was the most exciting part. I was like, what are they going to do next? And so far, every film had explained like a, like a, like a pillar. You, mm. We call them tropes. It had explained a trope from every genre of film. And I was, I was loving it, mate. To be honest, I was actually loving it. And the third, what the third one does really well that you're alluding to there is that it, in the hands of someone who clearly loves the source material, not just their old stand, but the horror, there is that element of what are we fucking cool if these two fought each other? Oh yeah. no, we're getting that. Yeah, you know? and so I was like, yeah, the payoff's pretty cool in the end of the third movie. It's, again, full of, full as full of as many holes. The yeah. big thing I couldn't get my head around, and I, it's no spoiler, but there's a particular tree. Yep. that plays a part in all three movies. Yep. The what? fact that in the third movie, it's in the middle of the shopping center yep. to give the idea that they built a shopping center, not that they picked the tree up and put it in the shopping center, yeah, they, they built the shopping center around the tree. I really couldn't get my head around that bit. I'm like, seriously, there's something under the tree that they need to dig up that has not been dug up yet. <laughs> like, so what I, what I really liked about this, what I loved about this was the implication that 
maybe the witchcraft had stopped it. Like every time they went to go pull it up or something, you know, that maybe there was a curse and they would go, we can't touch the trees, we have to build around it. However, that's thrown out because in the second one, they built like a fucking like play part around it. <laughs> you know, there are kids pretending to eat, like hang each other off it. So turns out that theory was bullshit. <laughs> yeah, and there's a lot by, there's a lot at the end of it. I, I do think it was made as a trilogy in mind and they thought of the overarching storyline. But there's a lot in the third movie that I was like, so if that's the actual thing, then why did that happen in the first? There was a lot of that. There was a lot yeah. of like, when you find out why the serial killers are re-resurrected over the 300 years, and you know, and, and this, oh, but they only go after a certain person who they smell the blood of and they're, they're after. So why did they kill that person in that film? You know, there's a lot of that that I was a bit confused about. And there's a lot of bits where I was like, so you've just gone through an underground tunnel and you're now there. Why didn't the killers come from there? Why did they go the long way around? There's a lot of that kind of stuff. There is, that, yeah. But it does well enough to it does well enough to cover its holes just. Just when you find out the actual reason for it, it does enough just to cover itself so it can say, Oh no, this is why. Mm. Not 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 like a realistic version. It just does enough so it can say, nah, fuck you. So <laughs> it's not plot, it's a feature. I alluded to last week when we kind of set up we were gonna do this that this is now, you know, the director of the movie. Um, I forgot the name now. That's, um, I've got it. Um, do, do, do. Lee Janik. Lee Janik. Yeah, Lee Janik. Um, we, we were saying has has the appetite to turn this into a big universe. And already has done so because they've, they've got themselves a little after scene credit. Oh, did they? I didn't see that. Yeah, oh yeah, there's an after scene. Uh, mid, mid, mid credit, someone picks up the book of Curses and Spells and runs away. You never see who it is. Right. And has come out in recent days and said that they plan off like, and this is, you know, you, last week you said they use this now as a term, as a verb, you know, oh, it's a John Wick style film. They want to MCU it. Yeah. So. Which I'm all for, actually, because I think a testament to these three, um, if they did an, another trilogy at some point and they did like a werewolf or a vampire, a mummy. That was the only thing that was genuinely missing. I quite, they even snuck in The Exorcist at the end of like part one. The only mm. thing that was missing was like a creature feature was in, you know, you didn't get... A werewolf or it, a vampire. It would be like, talking about like the smart choice earlier, it would be a creature from the Blue Lagoon style. Yes. Because vampires and werewolves have been done. Yeah. And everyone knows the creature from the Blue Lagoon, but can't really put a pin on like the movie or remembers the film. So actually that would be really cool. Is that yeah. kind of swamp-like killer. Yeah. Because werewolves, it's like, well, it's not full moon, so fuck off. You yeah. know what I mean? Like vampires. Or just like have some dog treats on you. Just like, off yeah. you go. <laughs> or silver bullets. Because they're everywhere nowadays. Yeah, I, I, I'd be happy for him to do more of these, actually. I, I, do you know what? These are a class example of movies full of errors and holes, but if you're just in the right mood to watch them and you just want to be entertained and jump scared, and but also have enough intrigue and mystery about the, that make you want to watch the next instalment, they, they weren't bad. I actually really enjoyed them. I really enjoyed them. I actually enjoyed the third one. The third one's got some of the best parts in it. It mm. was very good. It's just... And because it's an homage to that style of film, it's just a bit slower than the other two. Yeah. Especially coming off the second one. And I watched the sec two and three back to back. So I watched the first one one night and then two days later I watched I watched the other two. So it was just a bit of a jar. The, the third is always going to be the hardest because you have to resolve a storyline, but you also need to add enough new to mm. give you to give the audience like a bit more to go on. We talked about this recently with the Spider-Man trilogy, the original X-Men trilogy. The third is always the hardest one because you have to resolve the overarching story. Still tell you something. But still give you something new. And and so the third one falls into that victim as well. Um, very, very rare. I can't think of any example I told me where the third movie is the strongest. Indiana Jones. Yeah, probably that one. <laughs> probably. Scream 3. No, oh, no, just, you know, it's Temple of Doom is the... Uh, 
Oh, I'm sorry, mate. Um, I, I, do you know what? I'm going to call it a great trilogy. I, and do you know what? It's got something. If you want to look into something a bit further, it's got that. However, it's also got it's also got normal. Mm. And that's really good. Like I say, I love the extra mythos that it kind of adds to it, explains some things. And that's why it's great, like Kevin Lewis. Kevin Lewis like, explained, like, everything. This film yeah, explains everything else. And you know what? Great. First of all, I actually really enjoyed it. A lot more than I thought it was going to. I was yeah. like, why are we doing these films? Watch them. I ain't complaining. More witches, mate. More witches. Hashtag more witches. Because witches are fucking scary. And they can do what they want. Like when they're not like hocus pocusy. I mean, when about? they're like... <laughs> they're the best witches. <laughs> you know, like when they're like, you know, the, living in a cave, mm. spitting in a bowl and mixing it with bloods and like bones of a rat and they're bloody well, talking I, sake on Prince it. Prince of Thieves. <laughs> yeah, which is, yeah, 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 that is actually what I've gone for. Like, if it, when it is, yeah, just that big finger, just yeah, like that nail. When she, when she spits in it, it's yeah. like, oh, come on. But that, that stuff is like mucky horrible. Like, yeah. oh, witches, you know, before they like turn them more sexy and like, what was that fucking movie with Witches of Eastwick with um, Jack Nicholson? Yep. Still don't get the end of that movie. I, I might have tried to forget that I movie. I know they get in with a voodoo doll, but I still don't, he like turns into something in the end. It's weird. I only saw it the once. Mate, practical magic. Then we say, yeah, which is also, yeah, but which is all sorts of things like that where they like sexified them up. No, I, I, like, I like my witch gnarly. <laughs> <laughs> you do. You say it every week. <laughs> yeah, I do. I do. Um, okay, let, let's talk about some other movies because it is a film podcast. Um, so, recommendations if you've got Netflix and you like horror, you've probably already seen them, but Fear Street gets the thumbs up. Not vault worthy, but not vault worthy. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I, I, do you mind if I nip in here, sir? Go on then. So a new release uh, for Netflix in these last few weeks came from 2018. It's The Mule. So directed by Clint Eastwood, starring the Clint Eastwood, the Bradley Cooper, Diane Weist, so she's getting away from her vampires at home and appearing in a film, and Lawrence Fishburne. The Mule is a film based on a New York Times article about a 90-year-old drug mule who was caught and arrested. Clint Eastwood stars as Earl Stone, an 80-year-old man living in... Uh, living in his truck as his house is on the brink of being taken by the bank. It's not a good sign. He split up with his wife because, you know, he didn't go to his daughter's wedding. Oh, that's crazy. Is, is, he, is he actually labelled as being 80 in it? Yeah. So Clint Eastwood is 90. Yeah. So and it's you, a story about a 90-year-old, but he's 80. So do you, is it not like, you know, like when they're like Bradley Cooper, look, you could play 30s and 40s, but no one's going to believe that you're in your 20s. And <laughs> Clint Eastwood, they were like, look, we could probably stretch to 80. But you, you don't You're not getting mate. 70s though, mate, you know. No, you're not. <laughs> um, at his granddaughter's wedding, he meets a member of the cartel. Yeah, yeah that is not joking. He literally he gets there as an argument with his wife or his ex-wife as leaving, and a member of the cartel just comes up to him. <laughs> um, he recognizes that Earl would make the perfect meal for transporting cocaine because he's an older man, follows the rules of the road, and at no point would he ever be pulled over and searched. Not suspicious. No, exactly. Quickly, Earl quickly Earl becomes the more trusted mule and makes bigger and bigger deliveries, gaining the name Tata, meaning grandfather. Agent Colin Bates is tasked with stopping the cartel's deliveries into Chicago and sets out to catch the legendary Tartar he's heard so much about and thus stop it. Um, do you know what? This film, off the bat, Clint Eastwood looks looks really, really, really <sighs> worrisome. Like, genuinely, he's very frail. Does a, does a great job of being a looking like a, a gentleman that you'd care for and worry for. Bradley Cooper plays the cop trying to catch him down. Um, the problem is... There's no tension in this film. Mm. Like, there's no tension whatsoever. There's a film, uh, there's a scene, we'll call it the heat scene, where um, Agent is going back and forth trying to find Tata. And uh, Clint Eastwood, they're in the same uh, diner. And they start talking. He's like, oh, 
and he gives them advice like a great Tata would, like a great grandfather. I keep saying Tata, <laughs> like a like a grandfathery figure would. And he tells him like, you know, you've got to sort things out with your wife. And in the end, um, it, like it's shocking when it, when Balikov realizes it's Clint Eastwood. Oh my god, I knew you. There's no fear in this film. They try and inject it later with Andy Garcia's character when another when another cartel boss. The, the current one loves, loves Clint Eastwood. It's like, oh, great. Oh, it's like they're friends. And then a rival cartel boss takes over and they inject kind of what they think is horror elements and it's like, I don't like you. I just want you to make deliveries. But he does make the delivery, so there's never any tension about it. And it kind of builds up to this, like, huge thing. It's like, will he deliver the 25 million pound drugs in time? And it doesn't really pay off. It's, it's really, it builds up to nothing. Mm. It's not a great film, however... It's genuinely hard to pinpoint what's wrong with the does, pump. Does it have a scene where he's got a car full of drugs and someone pulls him over? Yes. And there's that whole don't look in the boot or don't look in the glove box or don't peel up the carpet. Yeah. That straight away is like that scene's happening or yeah. at the border, yeah, there's exactly. extra security. Mm. There's a cop with glasses just keeps looking at him. It turns and, out and something else. Yeah. Right after, yeah. It's, it's very little payoff. It's okay. It's, it's long. Tell you what, it's a, it's a very long film for what it is, essentially where we like the middle part, the second act, nothing happens. It's like watching sand grow. It's that exciting. Respectable performances though. No one's no one's pouring it. Diane Weist is particularly good. I, I, it's been a while since I've seen her in a film. It was really nice to see her. Clint Eastwood, the direction of the film's okay. The, the pace is a little off. Bradley Cooper, I think, was just like on a high. So, oh, just on Star Wars one. <laughs> The big things are going to happen. Yeah, American Sniper is obviously what we're cleaning yeah. before. So ultimately, no. Watch it. If, if you've got Netflix, you're already paying the subscription and you've got a one hour 40, watch it. For me, nothing stands out. The music's okay. The settings are okay. It's been done, uh, it's been on Sky Cinema for a while. So I've I've had the option. But I, the, the reviews and what I heard of it was very similar to what you said. It's, it's not the Eastwood yeah. direction that, that we, you know, like Eastwood Million Dollar always, Baby or... He always pulls off his endings, doesn't he? Mm. I can't think of a Clint Eastwood film that doesn't have a suspense-filled ending that actually pays off. Uh, yeah, this one. Yeah, this is the one. Yeah. But by all means, not a bad film. Just not particularly a good film, but not a bad film. Yeah. Exists in the- it sounds like the dull episodes are Breaking Bad. Yeah, actually, that's a good shout. Yeah, it's exactly what it is. Um, should we move on? Let's move on. So uh, before we go on to the next one that we've both seen, I did want to say that I've watched part two of The Purge this week. I Why The Purge? Huh? Why The Purge? Why do you want to get your violence on, mate? I never saw The Purge, and I, I've never seen any of them. And so the other day, randomly, and I knew it was a film that I probably wouldn't get to watch with Emily. So I, I was like, I'll, I'll just put it on because it's on my own. Just the first one. The first one. Yeah. And because I'm quite a fan of Bloomhouse, I like, I think I said this last week, but I like what Bloomhouse do. They don't spend more than 20 million on a movie. So you can have Ethan Hawke. You can have um, Jamie Lee Curtis in Halloween, yeah. but we're not going over budget. And if you release five movies a year, 100 million, you only need one to be a global box office. You're, you're going to break even. So it yeah. means that you get movies like Invisible Man that we got with Elizabeth Moss because you, you, you're not going to sink the studio when you've just had Halloween the year before that was a huge global box office. So yeah. Bloomhouse are a company I get behind and I think they make really, really good horror films. Um, so I was like, all right, the first Purge movie, let's give it a go. Like, where can you go with that storyline? I can't on paper see it. I can't see this idea that for 12 hours, one day a year, all crime is legal, including murder, you know, and, and I thought straight away, well, you know, 
it's going to have these undertones of rich and affluent versus Whoa, poverty and no. stuff like that. And that doesn't happen. <laughs> it apparently does in the later films. Oh, it does in the first one. <laughs> yeah. But more so in the later ones, apparently. I've, I've only seen one or two so far, but I watched the first one. I was like, I like Ethan Hawke. Ethan Hawke has done a few horror movies like this where you're like, it's Ethan Hawke. He's a big actor. Yeah. He doesn't mind fucking getting slayed in a scene or, or whatever it is. Lena Henley as well. Lena Henley, yeah. yeah. Um, first movie, it was all right. I quite like the first one. There's a, Bit about it, and I, I get that it's supposed to be tongue in cheek, kind of you know satire, horror, stuff like that. But there, there is a the first one is a bit too much of like I can't kill, I can't kill, fuck it, I'm going to kill a shit ton of people. Yeah, and then there's like, oh, thank you for saving me. No, it's because I want to kill you in a worse way. Oh, what are the odds? You know, like there's a lot of that that I, that I was like, yeah, but you just wouldn't do that. And there's a scene in particular at the end where it's like they're all gearing up to stab some kids in front of the mum. And I'm like, who writes this shit? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. The Strangers pulled it off for of being a horrific, I think stabby horror film. But this... That, that's the worst part, though, about me. Is um, That's the worst part. It's like, I mean, this one's pretty old. The spoilers are that the people that they know mm. kind of like turn on their backs. That's the part that's scary. Because at the beginning of the film, they're all like, oh, come over for dinner. Implying that if they'd actually come around for dinner, they'd have been murdered. Yeah. So that's the kind of stuff that I... I do want... I really, I do want I don't think the execution is brilliant. Like the whole idea that there are some other crazed people trying to get into the house so they can torture and kill a, is a black man, isn't it? Mm. They're trying to kill him. And then, um, yeah. And that it's like, Oh no, we're going to come in and just get him. So like, I can't, I can't really trust you. But at the same time, that guy who I've never seen anything else, the, the villain, if you're, is so over the top. It's actually quite fun. It's like, that, that's what it, so this is the thing. It works when you're playing the Joker. Yeah. But when, and I've seen this quite a lot in horror movies, particularly, you know, around the 15 rating, you know, but, you know, where you've got a over-the-top nice English or, or well-spoken villain who's like, I don't want to kill you. I just want to slit the neck of the person you're helping. Yes. It's like, but who are you? And what do you do for the other 364 fucking days of the year? Like, serve you, coffee. Bet you was a like, teacher. The <laughs> fuck are you doing? Like, where do you work? The clown store. It just doesn't, you know, like, I, I was a bit distracted from well, that. I do like the, I do like the, this actually works quite well, but it's at the same time as mockery. It's like for some, when they're looking on a security camera and like the two females and the other, they're just like on the swings or they're just like pissing yeah. about. I really liked those bits. I actually thought they were quite good. However, at the same time, why? <laughs> just why? The, the, it, it builds a universe because you could, you could just have it where the film starts with a guy locking down his house and there's people trying to get in to yeah. kill him and they might be harboring someone that they're after. You know, the fact that they spend the first 20 minutes in the movie setting up this like, oh no, it actually decreases crime overall because one day it's legal, you know. And I was thinking, what about the cleanup operation the day after? Like, all oh, of the mate, fucking bodies. I, I've always ever questions about the purge. I've got millions. You know, so, and, and you know, it's like, well, it's fictional. You're reading too much into it. That's fine. But that first movie, I was like, I can't really get into this and don't get me wrong i mean i've watched movies like alien and stuff like that where you just go with it you know it's just what it is but the the thing about the persian movie where i, was, I just struggled to like get it so these are the questions i always had about the purge genuinely if you steal a car do you have to file paperwork the next day and do you take over repayments <laughs> because yeah you, you technically own that car but you can't register it that day. Do you register it the day after? If you say you filed your tax return on the day of the purge, does that mean you don't have to pay taxes because you're allowed to not pay taxes on that day because you haven't broken a rule? True. If you shoot someone, but they live, but then die after the deadline, have you technically committed murder? Or if they don't die, how fucking awkward the next like <laughs> next week when you see them at the this, park. This is my favourite one because I've always wondered this. If 
if you commit ID theft, are you technically now that person forever? <laughs> because you've stolen their identity on a day where it doesn't matter. Um, if I use the purse to take drugs, can I sue the government the next day? Because technically, I didn't do anything wrong when I got addicted. <laughs> True. Um, if you steal like a load of food and shit and you don't eat it that day. Yeah. Exactly. That, no, that's, mate, that's, that's quite a lot of my questions. Um, is the purge just for America? If so, is a human traffic allowed during the purge? And what is the immigration status? <laughs> if you marry more than one person during the purge, is that legally binding? Because <laughs> you could, mate, you could get a lot of property that way because you could marry more and then kill them. Yeah, but what about if you married a horse on that day? <laughs> mate, you technically could. <laughs> um, if what I, if it was if on the purge day you stole a train? The next day you're like, fuck. <laughs> I've got nowhere to put it. <laughs> Just got a train. Um, if I legally, if I illegally download movies, am I technically able to watch them later as long as I downloaded them on the purge day? Uh, my last one, does it have to be the same time when I commit my crime? I Say if I live in New York and defraud someone in California out of their life savings, is that okay if I'm on purge day? Because obviously there's a time difference in America. Time difference, yeah. Or do I have to wait till they're technically in purge day as well? What does that mean? So I've got all these questions. If the purge, please get in touch with me. <laughs> I need to know, especially about the identity theft, because that'd be awesome. Because technically, you could walk into someone's house and be like, "I'm you." I'm you. <laughs> <laughs> and technically, you can't do anything about it because I stole it yesterday when it wasn't illegal. Because, <laughs> <laughs> mate, if that's true, I've got so many plans. <laughs> Can you imagine just having some really gobby shite kid? He's like, "Go to bed." No, it's purge day. Oh, you shit! You got me. You got right. me. Eat your broccoli. No, it's purge. Oh. <laughs> If it was, and you know, here I am giving, you know, a, a, a famous and very lucrative film company advice, but if it was like, you know, you, you entered your name to say, I'm game for anything that day. Yeah. I can get it. But the fact that in the crossfire, a lot of innocent people, because you would get people robbing people yeah. and, and people that are like, I didn't fucking sign up to this shit. I would absolutely love it. Like you said, if you shot someone, they didn't die. Then you'd just be like, the next day, like, you're like, you fucking dick. not. What do you move? What my favourite thing is, in this, Ethan Hawke's got a daughter who sneaks her boyfriend in and then her boyfriend knows that Ethan Hawke doesn't agree with their relationship, decides to try and kill Ethan Hawke so they can be together. Bet that made her panties wet, you fucking <laughs> not. Yeah. You just shot her dad. <laughs> and she was like, let's get married. And then Ethan Hawke finds back and she's like, no, and she jumps slightly away and then helps him and you think where are your loyalties <laughs> what is going just mate we weren't romance mate that guy he's obviously read Fifty Shades of Grey and was like I'll shoot the dad <laughs> sort it because even Hawk doesn't look like a bad dad now I know we only get to meet him for a little bit but I mean there's some issues there isn't there there's next year you're like get out <laughs> you're not in my fucking fortress <laughs> fucking unbelievable but yeah oh. if it was like crime like gangs could just off each other on that particular yeah. night. They could meet at the park and do what they want and the police won't intervene. I can see that and I can see someone getting stuck in the middle of like, you know, because then straight away I would have it as The Warriors. Yeah. That would explain how you can make a movie like The Warriors in 2020 where on a certain night all those gangs can meet and can get all their fucking beef out of the way and I realise how uncool I am when I say that. Yeah, you sounded pretty cool. But you, I thought you sounded cool and I'm not cool. <laughs> <laughs> um, you, you know, like, that would make sense. Like, if, if the next Purge movie was like The Purge, The Warriors. But they don't... Right, so I also, Bloomhouse have dropped a penny here because the latest Purge film was called The Forever Purge, implying that it wasn't just one day, it was a lawless. However, the, the scariest thing about The Purge is that it's for one day your closest friend could kill you. If it's Forever Purge, that you've, it's just a generic slasher horror film. Mm. It's like they didn't even understand. So when I saw The Forever Purge, I didn't see it when I heard the name. I was like... I've never known anyone missed the point of their own successful film franchise mm. before. Imagine if you went book wild. <laughs> yeah, like, and it's horrible for. 
But you got a big death count on this day. Yeah. And the last anyone saw of you before like the 7 a.m. cutoff point, you was like riding down the high street. <laughs> like we're in the school of your enemy. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, you know, like you really got into it. How'd you go to work the next day? With a smile on my face. <laughs> With someone else's <laughs> face. You'd, you'd book it off, wouldn't you? <laughs> you'd book you'd it off. You'd be so embarrassed, wouldn't you? You'd be like, I'll take the next day off. Oh. But there's a lot of like, <laughs> in the pitch, there's a lot of like, oh, I'm going to kill you because, you know, I opened the door for you and you didn't say thank you. It's a fucking <laughs> All right. The thing is, it's, I, I'd like the implication as well of the boss, like they take it. However, that, that's not how you do, right? So I'm not saying that. So I'm a manager at work. If I knew that once a year, my employees could hunt me down and kill me. I'd be the nicest fucking boss. No one would come near me. They'd be like, they'd protect me. I'd be like, I got you a bonus. But that, that's the point of the movie, isn't it? That's like why, you know, crime's down or whatever, and then it works is because of these implications and side effects off the pitch. But yeah, it, like I couldn't, and that sounds really weird because, you know, like I watch movies like Robocop and go with it. Like, yeah, yeah he's a robot cop. It's fine. <laughs> Deal with it. You know, just don't shoot him in the chin. <laughs> yeah, don't shoot in the mouth. That would really be inconvenient. <laughs> you know, I watch movies like that and, and go along with it. You know, I watch superhero movies all the time. I get it. I get it. I get this one. This is like, you fucking hypocrite. But there's just something particular about the page that I was like, I just don't buy it. What, what I love about it is, has anyone asked you this? It's like, what would you do in the, do, what would you do during the purge? When I go ask if it's like, I, I wouldn't do anything. What do you mean? It's not because I'm a normal fucking person. I don't want to go outside and beat someone to death. Probably have an early night, I imagine. <laughs> just, yeah. I might, if it's fine, I might try and steal someone's ID. <laughs> but other than that, probably fine. Thank you. Because that's it. That he really implies that everyone is a murderer at yeah. this point. That everyone has murder in them. Now, I watched the second one as well, which he's kind of a bit better because it- It does have more of a storyline. Yeah, it? It, it does have a storyline. And there's nothing wrong with the first one. I quite like home invasion movies and- Thank God you said movies at the end of that sentence. I love home invasion. <laughs> but the second one, yeah. But the reason why I'm talking about it is because it's got Frank Grillo in it. Oh, yeah. Who is in a movie- that we both watched this week, new on Amazon, and we have to talk about for the remainder of this podcast. And that is Boss Level, a film that I saw the trailer to what feels like forever ago. Yeah. And was like, that movie is the tits. Never did I think it would come out of cinemas, COVID or no COVID. I was always like, that's coming straight to streaming because it's got Mel Gibson in it. But because it just looks so over the top and zany and crazy. And Frank Grillo... Awesome, because he's really worked his way up to leading man. I do. That's what I was going to say. Do I first? He's in the first series of uh, Prison Break. He's mm. not a prisoner. He dies in the first season. So, you know, he's not like a main character. That's the first time I saw him. And do you know what's really weird? The evolution of his body. I think he might be the most ripped Hollywood actor I've he's ever seen. Good shape, hasn't he? He's, he's really, yeah. So when you get into that situation, um, I'll go just whilst we're talking about Frank Grillo, not Boss Level, is I reckon he's going to hit his own DC... He's going to get his own DC thing soon because he's in superhero shape. He's, he can't really do Marvel because he's on. He's the villain. He's winning so his crossbones, wasn't he? But he was such a lower villain. He wasn't worthy. I reckon he's, he, like you said, he's now leading man. He could he could be, do you know what I was looking at him? Punisher. I, he, he'd make an awesome Punisher. Yeah. I mean, we have got an awesome Punisher. We have got, but, you know, say something happened. He, he would be an awesome, you know, Deadshot, Lobo. Yeah. He could, he, he could hold a franchise. Quite surprised that they didn't stick him in Suicide Squad in the big role. Yeah, he, he's got that. He's got the physique. He's got the charm. He's got the acting credentials, and he's yeah. I think he's done really well actually to kind of you know, crown the, go up the ranks like he has done. I was just looking at his filmography, but he is busy. I mean, if you think his new latest movies, The Hitman's Wife's Bodyguard, yep. But he must have ten films in pre and post production coming out. Yeah, like he's hard working bloke. He he's also a bit 
jaded because he's in he was in jujitsu that I saw recently, Ooh. which was fucking terrible. He was in that cosmic sin. But again, you Frank Grillo, you're working up the ranks to become a leading man. You say yes. You're gonna work with people like Mel Gibson, Bruce Willis, you know, these people that yeah, their careers are on the downward slope. But I imagine he came up the ranks these of being his idols. Why would you not star in them? Exactly. So this um this movie then, uh, Boss Level, is about a guy who keeps waking up um, a Groundhog Day can of I, the day of his death. Can I just say that this? I love this. I've yet to see a bad film with this kind of style on it. I love, when we talk about storylines, this is my favourite storyline. It's very playful. I love it. I, I love the fact that now that it's, you know, Groundhog Day came out and then it was it was just it was just for comedy. Then the X-Files did an episode about a bank that keeps exploding and that was brilliant. And then... Um, now it's branched off uh, a few years ago they did Happy Death Day which I loved I still think is an underrated horror classic and Russian Doll the TV series yes that's brilliant as well um, like Bushka Dolls or something I can't remember that's really good this season 2 coming out can't wait to see mm. it um, and, then, and now it's moving on to action I think there was like a Tay Diggs TV series which was kind of the same um, every episode was a day that was replayed however I really like this storyline yeah it keeps it, it keeps it wakes up lives out his day with a high pursuit of uh, vigilante uh, killers and mercenaries after him. Um, and he's never, at the beginning of the movie, he says he's never survived past lunchtime. Yeah, and every 12, time he gets, Yeah, 12, 47. Every time he dies, he wakes up back in bed with a killer, you know, with a knife inches away from his neck. And he has to, and it, 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 it is so gloriously action. You know, like the, the, it's not like he wakes up, has a cup of coffee, goes downstairs, and then someone's, you know, in the in the lobby of the someone foyer. Tries to chop his head off straight away. Literally, he has to wake up ducking because someone's swinging a blade at his head. Then a helicopter pulls up outside his window and starts firing into his building. It's like there's no rest for this guy. The first, um, the first fight scene that you see him is so choreographed, so brilliantly. Like next level, is he gets up, he makes a cup of coffee whilst he's fighting this bloke. It's absolutely hilarious. And it's got an, it's got the inner voice. So Frank Grillo narrates it. So you, as the audience member. He's talking to you. He's like, this is my life. Every day I wake up, this fucker's trying to kill me. And he's like, left leg as he's putting his trousers on. He's like, shirt as he's ducking, like the, the knife blows. He's like, now where did I put the coffee? And he grabs it. This guy's still swinging and he's not even paying attention to him because he's, you know, I think we join him on like day 147. Yeah, something like that. So he's well-versed in this fucker trying to kill him. And like I said, the helicopter. And the first, like literally the movie's like 90 minutes, but the first 20 minutes is just showing you him dying in a fucking right montage of scenes. I thought it was longer than that. I thought it was nearer two hours. Well, this is the thing, right? So I watched it and I thought it felt long. Oh, I And then when I looked on IMDb earlier, it said 92 minutes. Oh, 92 minutes. Well, because I've got the only... We'll get into it. I thought the one thing that went against it is actually got quite a... It's, it's a long film. Yeah, I, 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 uh, it could be wrong. It could be... A, it, we could find a typo on IMDb then because... <gasps> oh, my God. Yeah. T- How um, much fun would it be? It says it's 134 on... Um, yeah, I was going to say, it felt nearer two hours because mm. it does... And that's he's a negative, but don't um, I don't want to talk, focus on it. It just feels at a point like a very long film, especially mm. in the middle part. Yeah, well, this says it's ninety four minutes, but it does feel a lot longer yeah. than that. Anyway, it's um, do you know what? It's 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 fun characters as well. Mm. Absolutely love the assassins that come for him. Now they're all pretty good, and you said Mel Gibson's in it. However, Naomi Watts, who I haven't seen in an age. 
I thought that was really cool, yeah. I love that, Tosh, but can we just say, I am Guan Ying, and Guan Yin has done this. She is MVP. So she uses a sword, and his introduction when he talks about them, he's just like, I fucking hate this bitch. And then, because she says this every time, she kills me. And then she cuts herself and goes, I am Guan Ying, and, I have, and Guan Ying has done this. And her hair just is in it's, the wind, in, even in though she's indoors. Yeah. <laughs> she is so good, uh, played by... Um, Selena Lowe she's fucking she's so funny and you, she just says those lines mate. you have she's the so cast it's like an Austin Powers lineup of villains isn't yeah. it you have the two German brothers you one know, of them from Paige Jackson is it yeah <laughs> you have um, you know yeah, yeah you have the uh, the Asian knife blade wheedling martial arts expert you have the uh, the explosives expert. You have the uh, the guy that looks like him, the doppelganger, and then you have the the, the brutal hillbilly. Yeah, and you have all these henchmen that are <laughs> that's such a kind of love letter to B movie action films. Um, I I think it's I think the script's really good and it's oh it's witty. I think it's really funny in places. It was engaging. It's it's so violent. Like Frank Grillo must have the record for the most deaths in a movie because he must die a hundred times in this film. Oh yeah. In some, re- there's a really good bit where he's like, oh, he says, um, he goes, oh, all deaths are all deaths hurt, but um, this what? is the worst. He goes, oh no, maybe maybe it's death like 50. Attempt, like thirty-seven or something. And then he just he gets shot in the nuts. And it's like <laughs> he's got some really good comedy to it, but he's fucking so brutal. And then this, it has the audacity in this in this action film. To try and throw in a a love slash broken fractured family storyline that fucking works. Yeah. And do you know what really plays as well? Really good in this film is that he is almost a caricature of the alpha male. Like, um, you know, he's a former Navy SEAL or something. He's taking the piss out. So he's like, he's grew up, you know, the night before he was drinking with strangers, sleeping around. And then, and then as it, he kind of like turns into like a real person, but at the same time needs his alpha skills, you whatnot. Um, to go up against Mel Gibson, who, mate, is come straight from The Expendables. He's got the same cigar. He's got the same ham. He's ready, mate, to chew that scenery. But he gets some good dialogue. Like, yeah. he gets the... Oh, he's very good in it. He gets the awesome villain speech in it. You know, the soliloquy of, like, talking about a time when he was on, on the battlefield and he witnessed something, which is a big metaphor for how villainous he is. And he gets all them things. You know, there is a fucking brilliant bit where he stabs Frank Grillo and he goes... Is this a Japanese katana sword? And then the, the, the lady's like, no, it's Chinese. And he goes, don't bring race into it. Because <laughs> <laughs> don't make this about race. <laughs> <laughs> He's got some really good bits in that. And it has this sci-fi element to it. There's a storyline about Naomi Watts kind of creating a machine that can make someone go in a time loop. I actually didn't like that. I didn't need an next. I know you needed to in this film and you can you get need- away, you can get away with it in Groundhog Day because the idea is that he needs to get better. You can get away with it in uh, Happy Death Day because she needs to stop the killer from killing her. However, in this one, I was like, I don't really care. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, it's awkward, isn't it? Because I, I didn't think this film was going to end with a resolve. I thought it was going to be one of the movies where he just keeps going around and around. And that was the point. I do like how he figures things out the more he does it. And each time he kind of gets the the next five minutes. The the perfect example is this. And she's criminally underused. And I realised something when I was watching this film. I love Michelle Yao, mate. I love her. Mm. I absolutely do her. And he, she, he goes to a bar and he always has to get it by a certain time. Otherwise she takes the last seat. And I love that because he's petty. Because he spends like the last hundred days just drinking. Mm. He wants to get as drunk as humanly possible because he's never survived past 12.47. Absolutely fantastic bit. And then he always beats it. And it turns out she's like a skilled swordman. And there's a montage where he goes to train with her. And it's the funniest because every time he sits down, he goes, I'm a complete beginner. I've had a teacher in the past and I'm getting there. 
I'm pretty good. I need to see how I am. And then after, the last one is like, I'm a martial artist. I just need to see if I can be you. And it's just fucking brilliant. I really liked it. It's got a payoff as well. Yeah. It's all very funny. It's well, do you want the, the best word to describe this film is fun. Mm. It's genuinely quite fun. I really like, do you know what? He, he is long in class, but there's a storyline. There's also, they do a really good job of foreshadowing. Like when he goes into a certain building and all the cameras go out, go wispy and funny. And then you're like, there's something there. Pays off later. The characters are quite annoying. Um, Ken Lung is in it. He's brilliant. He's playing his perfect role. Playing Ken Lung. Playing Ken Lung, exactly. And, ah, more Michelle Yaldo. Yeah, I, I really like this. I, you had you had to have someone like Frank Grillo as, as the main guy in it. You have to have that like guy who looks like he's woke up a bit hungover. Yeah. Not a morning person kind of feel. You couldn't make this movie with, you know, like a new and up and coming, um, you know, young actor. It, it needs that like, needs that just over the ridge kind of yeah. character that, that really plays like into this. The, like, the, do you know what? Um, he's very bulky, but at the same time, you can tell he does a lot of his own work, stunt work. He's, he actually must be in very good athletic shape because he's very bulky, but at the same time, he's able to move very quickly. He's, yeah. he's just very good. Uh, we've tried to we've tried to term this phrase before. He's a very good body actor as well. That they don't always necessarily get their credit when they spend a lot of their time on their physique to look the part, but also to be able to do the part. If that makes sense, he's very yeah. physical. That's what I'm trying to use. He's a physical actor, and it pays off in this film because he's fucking expert. Yeah, well, look at Tom Cruise. It works. It's worked wonders for him. Exactly. Well, uh, Frank Grillo was fantastic, and this is the sort of film where, where he shines. He does some crap moves, but at the same time, so is Nick Cage, and we love him. Yeah. So, this this is the this is the best movie I've seen him in, and it's set a bar that is again by no means a a brilliant movie or, or a vault movie, yeah, but definitely not fucking entertaining. While I was watching it, and and I used this term loads last week, and I'm going to use it again. Had no right to be this good <laughs> when I played when I was like, it's Mel Gibson in a straight to Amazon film with Frank Grillo as the lead does not deserve to be and it's called boss level you know what I mean like yeah. it was really good I think at some point so they've been trying to make this film for years haven't they? like you say you saw the trailer ages ago I'm fairly certain it was called a different name I think it was actually supposed to be a more serious film when Sony tried to do it but due to COVID they pulled out and I'm sure they did some rewrites and injected humour into it and rewrote quite a lot of mm. the beginning or the end it resolves really nicely as well it's very tidy by the end of it and it does something with the timeline thing at the end where he you know, he's never got past 12 o'clock and he realises to get out of it, he needs to do something very quick. And I, and I thought that payoff was really good because yeah. it's a movie where everything you need is in the first two hours of him waking up. There's a guy that knows about like tracking and, and, and espionage and about technology. There's the martial arts expert. There's a helicopter. There's everything is there that he needs. He just needs to figure out how to play the game to get to the boss level. It, I, it was good. I, I, do you know what? I actually really enjoyed it. Yeah. I actually, it's one of the movies where I think I will be texting people going, there's a film called Boss Lover, just give it a go. Yeah. Just give it a go into what you think. Because, um, yeah, I thought it was really good. Really Cheeky good. fun. Cheeky fun. Cheeky fun. It's been a good week of movies. Fear Street, I didn't I didn't hate the purge, I just didn't get it. Um, you know, Frank Grillo in the second one, so that's what led me to Boss Level, because the second it finished, he was like, you may also did like. You, did you do that? Back to back, mate. I watched one straight into the other. Mate. And I've just said Frank Grillo's in the third installment. Of He's the, in the, third the third one's actually got most of the storyline, because in the third one, it's, they can't kill government, you know, they can't kill government um, yeah. officials. He becomes the... Uh, they kind of relax that role because she's running for uh, president and she's going to stop the Persian. He's the bodyguard. Right, okay. So oh, that's quite a good story. Yeah, so I mean, it's actually, it's a world that, that builds on its own mythos quite well. Mm. They even got a TV series. You know, they don't do it anymore, but it's I on Amazon. I did hear there was, yeah. yeah. So, so that's, someone's missing a, a trick there because I thought the Persian was well. You would have had things like, 
in the second one of the day of the pitch, there's a lot of people selling guns on the streets. They're like, gear up for tonight, you know, be armed. I thought people would hire themselves out as protectors. I they thought do. that's where they were yeah. going to go. Yeah. yeah. Later on, that's what they do. Yeah. Mm. And like the rich could afford the bodyguards, but the poor couldn't. That's, yeah. They do this, especially when you're talking about the rich and the poor one. That's really obvious in one of the films where a rich family kidnap a poor family because they use it as a family bonding unit. And you're like, yeah, that's a bit on the nose. Yeah, it's happens yeah. in the second one, isn't it? Where like the rich buy oh, the second one to, to oh, kill. Oh, it might be the second one. Oh, because he's ill. Yeah, no, I didn't yeah. get it. Yeah. Yeah, and it's got that whole like social commentary again. Yeah. Yeah, but at the same time, you know what? It was different. They have run it into the ground though. And then like I say, the Purge Forever just seems to kind of miss the point of the Purge. Mm. The Forever Purge is just Mad Max, mm. Thunderdome. No one, no one wants that. Lakeith Stanfield's in the second one. I'm a big Lakeith Stanfield fan. Play shop owner. No, he plays the guy that's rounding up people to sell to like the the, the wealthy. Oh right, okay. I, I got, like, the ghost mask on. I haven't seen the second one. I've seen it in the past. It's really weird. The second one. There's like there's a truck that goes around and it opens the door and a guy's got like a mini gun. Yes. Really weird. Yeah. Um. Next week, it's your birthday episode. Next week, isn't it? Next one. Yeah, we will be recording it two days after my birthday. Yeah. Well, it's still your birthday one. Yeah, right, okay. So what? What do you want to do? Uh, you, you know what I want to do. Mm. I want to do I want to do the superheroes that never made it to Marvel's mate or Justice League I, I want to do the forgotten superhero films the uh, the Ryan Reynolds well actually no we've done that we've done the thing I'm talking about the Ghost Riders mate talking about the Hulk film no one talks about talking about Fantastic Force I want to do the shit Avengers we can do that we ain't, I ain't got to watch them all ever no we ain't got we'll, we'll, we'll pick some and we'll, we'll turn it into somewhat of a game we'll, we'll the shittest Avengers yeah with the shittest Avengers we'll, we'll play we'll play that's what we'll do we'll put We'll play shit Avengers top trumps. <laughs> there you go. Somehow we'll make it work. That'll be a thing. There you cool. go. So all of all of Marvel's pilot and tested ones, which <laughs> they now try and forget that they made. Yeah. The ones that they sold off to save the company. Yeah. <laughs> cool. All right, we'll do that. That's next week. Shit Avengers next week. If I don't see you later, oh, don't forget to like, subscribe, share with your friends. It really does help. We're going to say it every week. If you listen to this podcast, you know, you can leave a review and, and like and share whilst listening. Unless yeah. you're driving, you know, don't, don't. If you're on the bus, what's up in here? Yeah, yeah, just do it now. Just, you, you know, we just, sat at home. Do it. Just review a little five-star review. Sign it with a kiss. Say, hi, sweeties. This one's for you. <laughs> All right, if I don't see you later, good afternoon, good evening, good night. Goodbye.